Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And turn with me to the Gospel Record of Mark. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 1. The Gospel Record of Mark and chapter number 1. We are in our brand new series of the Gospel Record of Mark, where we're walking through this gospel to encourage you more about the life of Christ. And we've given an introduction on Wednesday, but now we are continuing with our series, and we find ourselves into the Gospel Record of Mark, and chapter number 1. The Gospel Record of Mark, chapter 1, and if you don't mind, notice with me starting at verse number 1. Mark, chapter 1, and verse 1. The Word of God says this, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach in the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judah and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locust and wild honey and preached saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, Would you mark a phrase that we find in the gospel record of Mark in chapter number 1? The gospel record of Mark in chapter number 1, and notice with me in verse number 1. Mark chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, The beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel. And if you don't mind, we're going to preach a message starting off this series of the gospel record of Mark with this idea, the beginning of the gospel the gospel, the beginning of the gospel. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord once again and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for what has already been accomplished this morning. And I'm just so excited about what happened during Sunday school. I'm excited about your work moving forward. I'm excited that our folks continue want to join with us right now, even if it's online And continue to assemble together as the Riverview Baptist Church. I'm praying that this timely series will be used to continue to keep our eyes on you. To see you that you are the God who knows what he's doing. And that you would encourage us now as we walk through this wonderful gospel. Fill me with your precious spirit Lord. There's a lot of things to be concerned of. To thinking of. But right now I'm asking you to set all that aside. So that my thoughts and my, my heart. My 
ambitions, my goals are on you and delivering your word. Again, I cannot do that myself. So the best I know how, I ask that you fill me with your precious spirit. So that you can get your own work accomplished. And that you could speak to the hearts of your folks even now. And in Jesus name we pray. Amen. We come to this idea. The beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel. And so we start off with this thought here. The mystery. The mystery. Each of the four gospel records begins with different points. The gospel record of Matthew begins with the ancestry and the birth of the Jewish Messiah. The gospel record of Luke begins with the birth of John the Baptist. And John goes all the way back to the beginning. The beginning of time and shows us in the beginning was the word. And it goes to the beginning. The gospel record of Mark starts later than all of them and begins with the ministry of of John the Baptist. And so here it says the beginning of the gospel and it declares it to be the beginning with John the Baptist. Now the word for the gospel is the work evangelion. That's the old-fashioned word for it, evangelion. And this is actually a Roman word that was used to announce the good news that the Roman emperor had ascended the throne. So this is where that word gospel comes from. It was used to declare the good news, but it was originally used so when a Roman emperor would step to the throne, they would announce the evangelium, the good news. The Roman emperor is now on the throne. The person is now in charge. You don't have to worry about anything within the Roman empire. The emperor is on the throne. Well, isn't it just like God? The Holy Spirit takes that word And he uses it to announce the true king. At this time, for 400 years, God has been silent to the people. Nothing has been said since the book of Malachi. 400 years have passed. Now, the messenger has come, as was prophesied in the book of Malachi. In fact, hold your finger here, and if you go backwards, you come to the book of Matthew, and then you go to the last Old Testament book of Malachi. Malachi in chapter number 3. So remember, 400 years God has not spoke. But you know what God announced in the last time that he had spoke? That there was going to be a coming, a messenger coming to prepare the way. Notice with me in Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 and notice with me verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord. So here, one of the last prophecies that God gave in the Old Testament, 400 years of silence, the last prophecy was that God was going to send a messenger. He was going to send someone to prepare the way of the king. His job was to say, good news, the king is coming. Good news, prepare, your king is coming to the throne. That is the beginning of the gospel. The beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news is that Jesus Christ has come. 
what good news that is. What good news we could declare that Jesus Christ has come. So we start off with the mystery, the something that was hidden before but is now revealed. It is now time for God to do something. He's sending the second thing here, the messenger. So not only do we have the mystery, but we also have here the messenger. Notice, if you don't mind, as we pick this back up in verse number one, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before me. So here's that prophecy in Malachi declaring this messenger. Notice this, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, Make his paths straight. So here God says, I'm sending a messenger. I'm sending a messenger to declare the good news. I'm sending a voice crying in the wilderness. Now here it's putting an emphasis on John the Baptist. This is the person that's being fulfilled with this. But you know what John just considered himself? He didn't consider himself great or important. He said, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. I'm just a voice What's not, it's not important about who the voice is. It's important who the voice is talking about. Prepare the way. Jesus is coming. I'm just a voice. And that's exactly what was prophesied in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. That was the prophecy of, of, Elijah, of uh, this brand new Elijah coming. This John the Baptist that was coming. The forerunner. The one to make the way straight. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 is that same thing. It says the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now at this time the Jewish religion was a man-made hodgepodge of works. What they did is they had the Old Testament law. Then they had a commentary on that law. Then they had a commentary on that commentary. And it made it very confusing of what people were supposed to do. And it made a system of works that in order for you to be right, you had to do this and you had to do this and you couldn't mix this and you couldn't do this and you couldn't wear this and you couldn't go here and this is how many steps you had to take. And it made it complicated. God never intended for th- to follow after him to be that complicated. But yet with the commentaries and the commentaries on the commentaries, it made it so nobody knew how to live right. Nobody could know for sure. What John was set to do was to make the path straight. Notice again in verse number three, it says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. You know what John was supposed to do? Is he was supposed to make things easy to get to Jesus Christ. He was supposed to make it easy so people could come to the Lord. Think of what religion does now. Religion makes it so complicated to get to God. They want to come to this path and you have to do this. I remember once years ago I was street preaching with a friend of mine and we were outside in Phoenix outside of the buildings letting our voices echo and it was his turn to preach and I was out passing out tracks. And as I was passing out tracks I noticed that there was a man dressed in black on the other side of the street who was leaning against a building watching our whole proceedings. And so what occurred, 
is that after a while he began to make his way closer. And so as he came up, I gave him a track and said, I'm so glad that you're here. And he announced, <laughs> he said, I was kind of interested. I, I'm interested to see what people do in the name of religion. Well, that's fine. I said, if you don't mind, can I ask you a question? I said, are you 100% sure if you die today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? He said, I certainly am. He said it with such conviction. I said, wow, that's pretty good. If you don't mind, let me follow up the question and said, if Jesus himself met you outside the gates of heaven and said, why should I let you come into my heaven? What would you tell him? And the man said, straightened his back and said, I would tell him that I'm Cardinal Ferdinand, blah, 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 of the archdiocese, blah, blah, blah. And he went on for 30 seconds. And by the way, 30 seconds of talking is a long time. And he gave this big long list of names and titles. And I said, wow, if you told them that, they would let you go into heaven? And he said, they would know exactly who I am. I said, wow. I said, I'm a young preacher and I love to learn. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> if I came to you and said, how can I know for sure that I would go to heaven? What would you tell me? Could you help me out? I'd love to learn. He said, I would be glad to instruct you. And so what he did is he went through what is called the seven sacraments. According to the Catholic religion, there are seven different things that must be fulfilled in order for you to think that you're going to heaven. That would include baptism, that would include mass, that would include holy marriage. And he would go on and there were seven different things. And he went through and explained all of that. And so when he was done, I said, if I do all of that, does that mean that I know for sure I'm going to heaven? He said, well, you would be close. I said, well, interesting. I said, well, I'm a young preacher and uh, I love to learn. Can I tell you what I tell other people, how they can know for sure they go to heaven? And you critique me. You tell me how well I did. He said, I'd be glad to help you. I said, wonderful. I said, well, first of all, the Bible says that heaven is a perfect place. That's why we want to go there. Up in heaven, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more tears. It's perfect. That's why we want to go there. The problem is, is that none of us are perfect. I said, I'm a preacher, but I've told lies. Have you ever told lies before? And he nodded his head. I said, well, I'm a preacher. I've disobeyed my folks. Have you ever disobeyed your folks? And he nodded his head. And I said, by our own omission, we're not perfect, are we? And just using logic, you can't set something that's not perfect and place it in a perfect place. It would ruin it. And he nodded his head in agreement. I said, well, just using logic, because you can't set something that's not perfect and place it in a perfect place, the same thing's true about heaven. That you can't take something that's not perfect and place it inside a perfect place. It would ruin it. So because of that, we deserve to be separated from God. We don't deserve to go to heaven, so we don't ruin it. We don't deserve to go as we are. And he kind of nodded his head. Well, I said, well, you know, the Bible says the same thing in the book of Romans, chapter 6 and verse 23, where it says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, the word wage carries an idea of a payment, that 
because I work, I earn money. That's called a wage or a payment. The Bible says for the wages of sin, sin is anything that I've done against God, that I've broken God's law. For example, the Bible says, thou shall not bear false witness. Don't tell lies. Because I told lies, I have sinned. Because I've disobeyed my folks, I have sinned. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The word death literally carries the idea of separation. For example, if we had a funeral here and we'd have a person in a casket, that person we would say would be dead because their body is there, but their soul is somewhere else. There is a separation. Well, the same thing's true about heaven. To go to heaven, we have to be perfect, but because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from God for all eternity. And he nodded his head and acknowledged that. I said, according to the Bible, there's only two places to go when you die. A wonderful place called heaven or an awful place called hell. Do you know that God never created hell for humans to go there? God created hell to punish Satan and his demons. Man goes there by default because there's nowhere else to go. And so because we're sinners, because we deserve to be separated from God, for the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that we miss God's perfection, that we deserve to be separated from God. And unfortunately, the only other place to go is an awful place called hell. But the good news is, is that God didn't want to see a single person go to that awful place. So what God did is he robed himself in flesh and came on this earth as the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ died for your sins and for mine. And he did it full, free, and forever. All we have to do is be willing to accept that free gift. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That Jesus paid the price and he gave us the free gift of eternal life, of forgiveness of sins. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I got through explaining this to this gentleman, I said, do you believe what I said was true? And he nodded his head. I said, do you believe what I said was simple? He said, that was so simple. I've never heard it placed that simple. I said, do you believe what I told you was biblical? He said, yeah, you told me straight from the Bible. Then I said, if it being true and simple and biblical, would you be willing to accept that free gift for yourself? And all of a sudden he began to shake, visibly shake. And he began to talk to himself. I got to change everything. I got to change what people think. I got to tell other people. I gotta... And he just walked off. Just took off down. Okay. Just took the track and just let. I always wondered what happened to him. He said, I got to think about this. And he was changed. But you understand that there was a difference between what he told me and what I told him. He said that there were seven different things that I had to do and I had to do continually and I had to make sure it was right. And then I might make it to heaven. I'd be on my way, is what he told me. But yet the Bible says there's a straight way to heaven. And the straight way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus died for my sins and all I have to do is allow him to pay that price for me. Accept that free gift that he gave me. I made the way straight. And that's what John the Baptist's job was to do, is he was to make the way straight, to make it simple to get to Jesus Christ. How did he do that? Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number four. 
John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism, notice this, of repentance for the remission of sins. What John's baptism did was proof that people repented in their life. But before they could get baptized, they had to repent. What does repent mean? Repent means a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. What they needed to realize is that they were sinners. John's job was to preach to people that they were sinners. That they were not worthy of God. That they could not get to God on their own. That they had no hope without Jesus. And they had to realize that place. And when they realized it, they would change their behavior. They would turn around. They would repent. And as proof of the repentance, they would get baptized by John. He was preparing the way. That before you could accept Christ, you had to realize that you were a sinner. And because of your sin, that you offended a holy, righteous God. He preached repentance. He was preparing people so they were ready to receive Christ. Instead of saying, oh sure, you'll be fine as long as you do this, 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 and this. And if you do this, this, and this, all he said is that you cannot get to God on your own. Jesus is your only hope. And let me tell you, Jesus is coming soon when you meet him. That's all that you need is all you need is Jesus. His job was to prepare the way, to make it straight. He wanted people to to know who Jesus is and get rid of all the religion, get rid of all the entanglements, get rid of all the complications and make a straight line to Jesus Christ. By the way, God still wants us to do that. God wants to use us as messengers to make things straight. People are confused. That's why we use the word lost. The word lost means they don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get to heaven. And unfortunately, people are giving them bad directions. Have you ever had someone give you bad directions? You know how to get to this place and they'll say, you turn left and then you turn right and then you go over here and then you, you're more lost than what you started off with. What has happened is that people are coming up with different ways to try to tell people how to get to heaven and it makes it more complicated. Our job is to make the way straight, to make it so it is easy to get them from where they are and to get them to Jesus. That's the job of the messenger. Which brings us to the last thing here, that we start off with the mystery, then we see the messenger, but then we see the multitudes. The multitudes. Here the people came. Notice in verse 5. And there went out unto him in all the land of Judah, Judea and of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan confessing their sins. What we see here is a location. Here John was in the Jordan River probably on one of the wadis leading into it. But it says people came from all Judea and Jerusalem. From where Jerusalem was at to where John the Baptist was baptizing was 30 miles. May I also remind you that they didn't have cars, semi-trucks, trains, buses. How did people get to John the Baptist? They walked. People thought it was so important to get to the man of God, to hear the truth. They were willing to walk 30 miles to get to the meeting place. And the multitudes came. 
What happened when they got there? What did they see? The Bible says in a different passage, what went you out to see? It wasn't because he was in nice raiment. It wasn't because he was wearing the newest fashion and had the greatest haircut. In fact, what was he wearing? Notice with me in verse 6. And John was clothed with camel's hair and a girdle of skin about his loins and he did eat locust and wild honey. What this was as a reminder of who he was supposed to represent. Hold your finger here. Turn with me back to Malachi. So just turning to the left of your Bible, we come to Matthew and then Malachi. Malachi in chapter number four. Remember, Malachi's job is to proclaim the messenger is coming. The messenger is coming who's going to make the way straight. Notice with me, if you don't mind, (coughs) in Malachi chapter four. Malachi chapter four, notice with me in verse five. And behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he, so this Elijah, shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. But we could see, who is this forerunner? Who is this person coming? It's Elijah, or rather someone who is Elijah-like. And so you know what John the Baptist did? He said, I need to remind people that I'm the Elijah. I'm the messenger. And so I'm going to dress like Elijah. Did you know that that's how Elijah dressed? You can look back in the book of 2 Kings. We just got through with a series of Elijah and Elijah. You know how Elisha dressed? Elijah wore camel's hair. And he was eating locust. Had a little locust leg picking his teeth. and Wild honey. What went you out to see? People traveled 30 miles on foot one way to go see this crazy preacher wearing camel's hair and eating locust and wild honey and preaching, behold, the Lord comes. Behold, he comes. People did not come to hear him because of his outfit. Why did they come to hear John the Baptist? Because of his subject. Because he was preaching unto them Christ. Notice with me in verse 7. And preach saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. His simple subject, Christ. Christ. His simple message, Christ Christ. It was so simple in his ministry. It wasn't complicated. It was Jesus. He was proclaiming Jesus. He was saying, I could do little. You are not what I need, or I am not what you need. I can't solve your problems. But let me tell you who can. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. This Jesus that comes, I'm nothing compared to him. In fact, I'd rather you listen to him than listen to me. It's Jesus that you need. It is Jesus that you need. John, all he could do was show them their hearts. It was Jesus that could change their hearts. By the way, that's all we could do. We could preach to them and we could show them that they're wicked and filthy and nasty. But we can't save anybody. Jesus saves them. Jesus changed the hearts. Jesus is what they need. You know what the world needs today? They need to know about Jesus. What is our job? 
We're to be the messengers. We're to make it easy to get to Jesus. To make it as simple as possible to get people to the Lord. They have to realize that they're a sinner. And because of their sin that they've offended a holy righteous God. But it is Jesus that they need. Only Jesus can give them hope. And they must personally accept him to be their savior. That's the beginning of the gospel. That is the proclamation of the good news. Our job is to say the king is on the throne. Look to him. He's the answer. He's what you need. Point people to Jesus. That's the simplicity of the gospel. And so as we come here and we could see the preparation, that preparation still needs to be done today. That with John and Baptist has gone to the scene and off the scene. But yet people still need to know about Christ. Jesus is still willing to be saved. But he's still looking for messengers. He's still looking for voices crying in the wilderness. To say look it's so easy to get to Jesus. Let me show you how to get there. So people don't have to be lost. They can be found. They can see exactly where they're supposed to go. They can know for sure how they can have their sins forgiven. And it's by Jesus Christ. The question I have for you today is, will you be that messenger? Will you be that proclaimer to proclaim to others that Jesus is the only thing that they need? There's so many complications in life, and men make things complicated. We need to get rid of all the complications and make it simple. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. When people are worried, you know what they need? They need Jesus. You know, when people start getting to financial things, let me tell you, their answer's in Jesus. When people are worried and anxious and fretful, they need Jesus. We need to make things compli- uh, not complicated. We need to make it simple and point them to Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three oh six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.